Start the music, Chad. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Rogo Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham. This is Jacob Hampton. And it's just the two of us for this one. This is uh, what we call some of our favorite in credits songs. So these are songs that play during the final credits of a movie. Often, I would guess, I know for mine and probably for Jake's as well, often starting before the credits roll and then playing into the credits. Um, and so I'm going to let this was kind of like, a, by by Jake's own admission, like a like a a pet thing, if you will, that, that Jake's like, ooh, I, I like talking about this, so I'm gonna let him kind of set up like what intrigued him about this, where this idea came from, and what it means with these in credit songs, and then we'll jump in to talk about some of our favorites. Yeah, it is a pet thing. So for whatever reason, I think I'm just more invested than the average person in like the way that music is used in, in movies. And so it's always been such just a strong way that I kind of identify with the movie and like remember it and and there's just an opportunity for me as a viewer to like get such big feelings depending on how how we musically go into the end credits. Um, I feel like I, I could have a whole other discussion about TV. I feel like TV they have more op- uh, opportunities to do this because they're ending episodes, you know, e- each time. But I, I just I'm such a sucker for a great end credits song like. When, when we watch TV together, my husband Jordan and I, like, he's, like most people, I think, is ready to just, like, you know, quit it. Like, tell it to not play the next episode or whatever once end credits start. And I'm always just like, wait, no, I want to, like, I want to bask in this Let song being used this. for a second. Yeah, exactly. So same thing in theaters. I love to sit. I actually love that it's become more of a trend, especially with blockbusters. There's kind of like a an initial end credit sequence that people still stay seated for and stay where there's often, you know, animations and stuff. And then it'll go into the more, I guess, quote unquote, boring uh, end credits <laughs> after that. And people kind of get up and leave. So I've appreciated that because I'm someone for like, yeah, let's sit and like, and, you know, just soak in, first of all, the, you know, movie we just witnessed and like take a second to process before we stand up and start walking out. But then also, yeah, just to sit there and, 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 enjoy whatever music's playing but like they picked it for a reason right and i always find it interesting just the emotions that can be evoked by by end credits music yeah i as you were talking about tv i thought of mad men was really famous mm. i don't know how many of you out there have watched mad men but really famous for differing songs that ended episodes yeah. and i love master of none used to do a really good job with that too with uh, aziz ansari's show on netflix um with that kind of like end song stuff i had a i had a professor at uh, in college in a film class who encouraged us always to stay through the credits, um, which was more of a, he was just like, there's all those names and all those people who, who worked on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely think, and maybe this is just lack of music, hi- sorry, movie history knowledge on my part. I feel like there has been, there have been more, more recently where it's been, and when I say more recently, I just mean more recently in movie history, like the 80s on sure but again this is could be a gap everyone up no in the i saw this movie in 1956 but uh that uh, with an emphasis on that being a more thoughtful yes concluding song agreed um because usually too they're also eligible for oscars if they're played first song during the opening credits the okay. ending credits excuse me if it's the first song in the ending credits i didn't realize they were that specific okay. yeah i think they're pretty specific like it can't be eligible if it's the second song in the ending credits. Uh-huh. Because the other ones are during the movie, right? right? A lot of those best original songs are during the movie. Yeah. But it also, eligibility extends to, if okay. I understand correctly, the first song that plays in the credits. Right. Um, and so I think too, we'll, we'll, and, and maybe we'll, there'll be some, some uh, clarification on Jake's part and my part. 
of uh, most of mine do start while the movie is still playing, but I have one or two where it is credit start song comes in yeah. that I still included here. In the I list. have a relatively even mix actually. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bring up to start and then I'll name some of mine. And there's one that Jake has, I think, cause you mentioned it. I hope it's, it's still uh, oh, yeah. on there mm-hmm. that I have a, a, an interesting story. It's the only addition I'll really add to what Jake says that a story to tell from real life about that song. Um, but when Jake first brought this up, I was in immediately cause I love the idea. But I didn't have, I didn't immediately have like, oh, there's one, two, three, four, five or whatever. But I thought of Fight Club just because even before I saw Fight Club, I always saw people talking about the way that they used Where Is My Mind, both ending that movie and then segueing into the credits with, that movie's old enough, with them holding hands and watching the Mm -hmm. world blowing up or whatever. And so the thought of that one, like it's not one of mine. But I did Google, there's lists, and my sister's like, look at all these Spotify playlists that they have. that, that one almost show, shows up almost always. Really? Like okay. whoever's making the list, whatever other weird movies are on it yeah. and, and idiosyncratic and specific to them, Fight Club almost always shows up. I don't fully know why, yeah. to be honest, other than the vibe of that song is interesting. I think so. I think and just... Fincher's good and the matching of the visual of them standing there. It's a great shot. Yeah. And then like the <laughs> just gives it kind of that vibe. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna name a bunch, and uh, they are not ranked. Um, I didn't. I didn't go to. I, you know, I love a good list, but I didn't rank mine. Um, the one that probably came the most from looking at other people's stuff was the in, "Baby, You're a Rich Man," the Beatles at uh-huh. the end of the Social Network, which I rewatched the end again because I was like, oh, I do remember liking how that ends, and the 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 lyrics are really interesting, and plus you get the Beatles reference, and it definitely starts when he's still refreshing the, yes. the page, if you've seen the social network. Um, I really like the vibe of how that felt. The one that probably was the most that I've thought of a million times, and probably I guess would have been number one if I had made a list, is the end of Born Ultimatum, oh. when they play Extreme Ways by Moby, because they've used it throughout all of them, and it has that kind of Bring <laughs> at the beginning. Like, I associate Extreme Ways with the Bourne movies. Right. Because I hadn't really known it outside of the Bourne movies. And you have Julia Stiles watching the screen, and she thinks he might... Sorry, guys, spoiler for a movie that's, you know, 15 years old or whatever, 10 years old. Um, she's watching the screen. She thinks Jason Bourne may have died. And then they say something like, they still haven't found his body. And then Moby comes in, and then you see him swim off. And the way they use it throughout all the movies and then finish the trilogy with it, um, I think it works so well. And something about that opening, my sister and I were calling it the spiral because we're not very musical. <laughs> um, and then it has like, oh, baby, then it fell apart. That's the song. And if I hear that song anywhere, I am immediately taken back to the Born trilogy. Like I will never hear that song and think of anything else ever. Right. Some of these other ones, maybe, yeah. right? I don't al- they don't always conjure up exactly. Um, but that's the one that conjures up. It doesn't matter if I hear any part of Extreme Ways by Moby. I'm thinking of all the Bourne trilogy. Um, one of my favorite end credit songs that doesn't actually happen in the movie, and only recently have I figured out that a lot of people don't actually associate it with the movie. Young kids who love Disney movies, I'll play the song and they're like, what movie is that from? I'm like, what? And that's um, uh, Never Knew I Needed by Neo from The Princess and the Frog. Oh, really? I think it's one of the best Disney songs ever. He sings it gorgeously. It carries a lot of the themes of something, but it doesn't happen in the movie at all. The movie ends and his piano starts. 
and we were playing some game with my son's friends the other day, and they had to name like the song and, and what movie it was from, and none of them knew. And they all professed afterwards to love the Princess and the Frog. Huh. So it does seem like a case of like Jordan, your husband, who yeah. you mentioned, like, we're done. Right. So people have never I'm like, That's, you never yeah. watched the credits of the Princess and the Frog? Like it has Neo's song. And so I guess it's also a soapbox for me of like, come on, guys. If you haven't heard the song and processed it in in conjunction with the Princess and the Frog and its themes, like you're missing out here. Um, so that's one of my favorite straight up songs. <laughs> the ending of Deadpool, where oh. he plays Careless Whisper on his nice. phone, uh -huh. and then they make out and it carries over. And obviously, Careless Whisper was not written for none of my uh, only knee only. Never knew I needed was written for these movies, and I'm guessing a lot of yours were not written for the movies. Yeah, I think I only have one. Yeah, that written for it. and and the oh oh yeah, I have three. I forgot the other two. I'm gonna name. Okay, were written for the movie, but um, it's just funny. I think Deadpool's really funny. I think they nail the tone of the first one even better than the second one, and I think ending with Careless Whisper just really solidifies like what that movie is. And then my last two, one of them came from my sister. They're they're from a movie and its sequel. My sister mentioned All the Stars by. Uh, Kendrick Lamar and oh, oh yeah. shoot and SZA right yeah it is SZA, SZA yeah mm -hmm. um, that ends Black Panther yeah and that's one. just a good song yeah. very similar to Neo but she reminded me and shout out all the stars great song great vibe to end Black Panther yeah. especially Black Panther one which is ends very hopefully and and stuff and then you get like black artists making great music and Kendrick Lamar was like the curator of that whole soundtrack yeah. anyway um, but. Wakanda Forever ends with Lift Me Up by Rihanna, and I think it's gorgeous. It makes me cry every time. It plays for a long time at the end of the movie and then into the credits. Yeah. And it's that whole evoking of that we lost Chadwick Boseman, and you have um, uh, his sister sitting there just like processing everything, figuring it out, feeling all the sadness. We're feeling it too. Mm -hmm. And Rihanna wrote it to, you know, to be, I don't think she was the only writer, but to be this kind of tribute to Chadwick Boseman. And that's what the movie serves as. I also think that movie works a lot better than, than other people do. Um, uh, definitely up in my top probably 10 uh, Marvel movies or superhero movies. Um, but it's a gorgeous song. And it just really brings all that heartache and sadness and hope at the same time. Yeah. And a celebration of what Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman did just as a person and an actor and, and what he contributed to Black Panther and comic book movies. Um, it's gore, it's gorgeous. Because I, I rewatched it for this, and I was just moved again by how well it matches what they're trying to make you feel in real life and in the movie, which yeah. is really difficult. So, so those are some of mine. Those are some of my faves. Those are some good. Some, picks. some are very obvious, and others maybe a little more niche for for what I love. Yeah, love it. Okay. Well, yeah, I've got a few just mentions, just ones I thought of but didn't quite have enough, I wanted to say, to make them uh, the, part of the official five. So, love um, Angel of the Morning at the end of Promising Young Woman. Oh, nice. Um, that's one that, you know, we do a montage and then we carry through. Yeah, which that's is, awesome. Which is especially fun, I think. I hear it now and see it now, but I didn't even think of yeah, that. Yeah, that's uh -huh. awesome. And I think a lot of these just go so far to, I feel like, kind of put the final statement on what the tone of the movie is. Yeah. And so... Like, I don't know, just like imagine a promising young woman ending with something like really somber or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, uh, it's so important. Yeah, yeah, it definitely <laughs> um, is. That's a great one. I think horror movies have a, 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 a kind of an especially, a special opportunity with end credit songs to, they can really, I feel, pack more of like a punch or bite or in some cases like 
almost put this comedic kind of, you know, bow on the movie. So one would be um, Be My Baby, which ends uh, Barbarian. It's a hilarious song choice once you realize why it is what it is in the context of what happens in the movie. It's um, also, and it's, some of these are going to be hard to talk about without spoilers. I'll, I'll maybe spoil kind of like little moments that don't actually spoil the plots of the movies for you. <laughs> but it end, that movie ends with a gunshot that that then is really the first like drum beat of Be My Baby, and it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, Sun Ain't Gonna Shine On You Anymore ends um, midsummer, but we'll talk more about Ari Aster in a second here, and, and I do love his end credits choices. So those were a few mentions. My actual top five, though. Um, number five is going to be a song, and really most of these are going to be songs I, I pretty much maybe had was like slightly aware of, but mostly for the, like I they're, the movie showed me the song <laughs> basically. Um, so this number five, this is going to be the most you know Jake one for sure. Um, <laughs> you know little scene foreign movie, and but everyone um, and, and the, uh, listening as oh, this is so yeah. Jake. <laughs> and it's, so it's from the movie Genesee. Um, which is from, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I think. The song's called Outside by a band called Tops. Um, Genesee is, is a very unique movie. It's, it's basically three kind of vignettes about love. Um, two of them kind of overlap plot-wise. It's, it's very untraditional with its structure. But one thing it does is throughout these three vignettes, there are, there are certain kind of a, a set of a few songs in the movie, and they're all used twice. Um, and so it's they're def they're generally used with kind of juxtaposition. The song might be used for, you know, to show romance in one scene, and then you know, kind of flip it on its head and do something sad the second time that it's used. So anyway, this song outside it's featured one time earlier in the movie, and then they use it again for the end credits. But it's just this beautiful synthy song. I don't really know the band tops outside of this at all, but it's it just the way it ends that movie. Um, with with these highs and lows of romantic relationships is just uh, it's chef's kiss <laughs> so that's my number five number four this will be one you're more aware of chad which is um true grit uh coen brothers remake the um leaning on the everlasting arms that plays this is one that kind of incorporates i think um part of it is i enjoy the visual that's incorporated as, as well which for that movie is just the main character and now as an adult Maddie, she is walking away from um, from a grave that she came to visit, and it, the camera just holds on her, and you see her walk away like forever <laughs> until she's completely out of sight. While this Iris Dement um, version of "Leaning on the Everlasting Arms" plays, it comes after, of course, that the the score of the movie throughout has been heavily based on that song, and I just think musically it's just a really beautiful song, um, and. I don't know. It's one of the more emotional ones for me Whoops, on this list, just where it's, I think it's just a, an effective song for you to sit there and kind of ruminate on the events of the movie. But Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great ending that movie. It's a great shot when she walks yeah. away. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of cold and gray. And Anyway. And she's missing an arm. Spoilers, which I feel like is also <laughs> an element in that as well, just to, you know, to remind you of how much she's been through as she walks away. But, um, Classic number three is going to be Visions of Gideon um, by Sufjan Stevens. This plays at the end of Call Me By Your Name with the iconic... It, to me, it's iconic, and I've seen it in made fun of, of lots of times. Yeah, in front of the fireplace, Timothy Chalamet, you know, just sitting there crying as this end credit song plays. I feel like this was... Like, it has reached the, the point of parody, I feel like, with... Um, at least I've seen it parodied, but I think it's so effective the way that it works in the movie. Um, 
and and was like the first time I'd really seen something quite like that um, done in a movie. You know, we just talked about True Grit and like the walking away, but this is like a close up of Timothy Chalamet that just stays on his face throughout. I think like a couple and... minutes of this song, yeah. yeah. Um, so loved that. Loved the confusion, honestly, in the air in theaters when I saw that movie, and like the with the audience, it was there was very much this like. Well, do we get up and start leaving, you know? But, like, because nothing else happens. It's just Timothy Chalamet crying. But um, but love Sufjan Stevens. He's an all-time favorite artist of mine. And so to have him used in that movie that had already, that had just had such a, you know, big emotional punch was Did they use amazing. more of his stuff in that, too, or no? They did. So he had one other original song that's that I think I was at least Got nominated. nominated for yeah, that's why I asked. Sorry. Uh huh. And but they even also used one of like a kind of rearrangement of just an existing song he had as well. So he was just the guy for that movie, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. which was interesting. That's what I thought. Yeah. Number two, um, this is a song called "Go Now" by the Moody Blues, which I are like nineteen, I think, kind of forties, fifties. Era band. This plays at the end of the movie 45 Years, directed by Andrew, Andrew Hay. <laughs> All of us strangers in theaters soon. In theaters see, yeah. soon if you live where we live, but now if you live in places with more people. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so 45 Years is about a marriage. Um, it's a, about a couple celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary, and it's it's a movie that's about doubts and relationships. So it's 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 kind of it's very somber. Um, it's a very slow moving movie, but really, essentially, over the course of of this movie, it's about a woman played by Charlotte Rampling, um, and as their forty fifth wedding anniversary approaches, some old kind of um, memories get brought up with a a woman that her husband was involved with before he met her, and throughout the movie, she just starts to wonder if he has still been in love with this other woman all all these years, and she didn't realize it. So it's kind of this weirdly specific, you know, premise. Um, but I, without, it's not really a movie to spoil, but it, it does have just a, a emotionally climactic ending of, of basically kind of, it's a, a brilliant performance by Charlotte Rampling where um, it, it, there's a long take and you just basically watch her, you watch the doubt completely sink in as, as they celebrate their, their 45th wedding anniversary. So as during that long shot, I, I do have to mention um, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes plays, and, and that's perfect and amazing. But then we immediately cut to uh, the end credits with this song, Go Now. And Go Now just starts. There's, there's no instrumental introduction. It just starts with the lyrics, we've already said goodbye. Um, and so the it's just a, such a good punch going from the long take that you watch while smoke gets in your eyes plays and then we go straight into this upbeat song. I mean it's it the the lyrics are sad but it's it's an upbeat music uh, or the musically it's upbeat and it it's it's just such a good punch. Nice. Before he goes to number one, uh, there's a song that Adam Levine helped write for the ending of Sing Street, which is also called Go Now. When you first said go now, I was oh, like, oh I'm yeah, sorry. I forgot about Sing Street. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It helped, it unlocked another one for me, the very end of Sing Street where, uh, again, I guess it's a spoiler alert, but where the, the, the main character and his like quasi-girlfriend decide they're going to go try and they're trying to, they're taking this boat across and another big boat comes and Adam Levine helped write this song for the final credit sequence and it starts kind of sad and ends up, if you're never going to go, you're never going to go if you don't go now and they're going to try this thing. And it's almost graduate-esque where they're like, Oof, I don't know if we can do this, but it works really well. 
And then uh, Eric, uh, obviously Eric uh, Wood is not here, but he said to make sure to mention Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine, oh, which yes. ends The Matrix. I don't have a lot else to add. I haven't seen The Matrix for years, but he, he really liked that one. So before we hear Jake's number one, which I think I also have a very uh, a kind of tangential, interesting story to share about in a minute. Yes. Excited. All right. So yeah, number one is Hereditary. So... Um, I do want to just take a moment to say, I know I mentioned earlier, horror has kind of a special opportunity here because I, I think the traditional thing you'd expect as a, as a horror movie cuts to end credits is probably just something staying within that realm. Maybe just scary music that's not even, you know, an actual recorded song with vocals or anything like that. So in this modern era of horror, we're seeing a lot of movies, I think, subvert those expectations and you're getting songs, like I mentioned with Be My Baby at the end of Barbarian, where, you, you know, you're, you're cutting to credits and then doing something interesting with the tone as this kind of final final uh, message from the movie. So Hereditary ends with um, both sides now. This is a Judy Collins cover of a Joni Mitchell song. It's much more, um, I think that's how it is, right? It's Joni Mitchell's song originally. Yeah, Joni Mitchell's song is like a lot slower yeah, yeah. and kind mm -hmm. of sadder. Not that, they're, not that there's not sadness in. Yeah. Look at you from both sides now. Which is the Judy Collins version. Yeah, it's faster tempo. Yeah. Um, and so Hereditary, I really don't want to spoil what's actually happening, but there's a very bombastic, huge, horrific final scene to Hereditary that then cuts to, immediately, both sides now, um, the Judy Collins cover. So, so jarring the first time, but so good, because the song, it, even though it's more, it's faster paced, it, I think there's still a lot of wistfulness, Definitely. there's a lot of... Um, melancholy in the song and there are you can just I don't know if you just sit there and listen it just you can feel why Ari Aster picked it to I assume maybe there was a different music supervisor I guess I shouldn't assume Ari Aster picked this but um, but yeah just with lyrics you know sometimes very literal saying you know when every fairy tale comes real and things like that you know that that fit with what we just saw happen over the the course of the movie but um, I, I had never heard this version of this song ever until Hereditary, and it's just stuck with me ever since then. It's become just like, it's made its way onto so many playlists that I have. It's like a never skip when it ever comes up anytime. Um, on top of that, you've also got the fun, the end credits of Hereditary have letters just dropping down from, from line to line. So they'll say like a letter E from the previous credit and then drop it down to the next person. It's, it's just fun, you know, hereditary, um, <laughs> a little visual there, but, um, that's actually the word most yeah. people use when they talk about hereditary. It's how fun it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think, I feel like that's the use of, of this song, yeah. yeah, but the, the, the use of this song, I feel like does put the final stamp of, there is some playfulness to hereditary. So just, just blown away by that choice and so glad that it's there but I, i'm curious to hear what you are oh yeah so story is. so yeah it was just because you jake had given us one example and it was his favorite one and it brought me back so i i had um you know a a very vague goal when i was a teenager and i, I don't remember all of what jake and i talked about but you can go back to our old episode where we kind of talk about like what led us to loving movies and and i forget what we even called it to be honest it's something yeah, about like our either. life with the movies or something. Yeah. You can find it if you go back, if you're listening and you're like, these guys are fun. And go back <laughs> and listen to us kind of talk about like how, and I don't know that I did mention uh, this story, but um, I had a vague idea that I wanted to be a screenwriter when I was, when I was a teenager. Um, I would read screenplays. I would dabble in writing screenplays. Not, not everything terrible, you know, but I had a few pet ideas 
There were like two or three pet ideas that I thought about all the time, all the time. And uh, I was a runner in high school and I made it to this, this, I got to run in this meet in Illinois one time. And my coach came with me, Coach Carlson, Coach Joe Carlson, shout out. I, I don't think that Joe Carlson listens to this and that's okay, Joe. <laughs> um, but he knew I wanted to be a screenwriter. I had this book where I wrote down all these ideas and there was this particular idea and I will not tell you the particulars because it's stupid, but um, the, the, the idea was that we would explore these two characters and we would never really show how they, they crossed over. They are just two different characters. They'd just be two different stories cut back and forth. At the very end, they would never even, their stories would never connect, but there, there would, there would be a, just a walk by at the end. You know? okay. oh, oh, how clever. Right. But the point was that you thought uh, the one, the one character was pretty dastardly and, and not very good. And the other character you thought, what a great person. And that you had a little switch at the end Okay. that you, you gained more and not that they completely switched, but that there was a lot more complexity to both of them. That was the idea. Cool. That was kind of the, the, that what it was set on. Yeah. And when we were in Edward, Edwardsville, I had this notebook and I just, my coach loved music. Joe loved music. And so did I. And so we were just going through and I was telling him the ideas for these various screenplays and he was giving me songs. And the one he suggested to end that movie was both sides oh now. Oh my. Seriously. He thought like, cause now you're kind of seeing both things hundred percent seriously. I think he said Joni Mitchell, but over the years, the one I'd always used was Judy Collins because I thought that was the one because I never looked it up. I just heard, I know both sides now. Yeah. Know, I've known the song. I didn't even listen till recently to realize that the Joni Mitchell one was so slow. Right, right. It would, it's definitely what was in my mind watching the end of my fake movie was always the Judy Collins Amazing. Version. And he just thought like, oh yeah, because now they're kind of seeing both. They really understand both characters more. Oh, what a great yeah. idea, Joe. So I wrote down both sides now as what would end this fake screenplay I never wrote. Um, but yeah, that was the one he suggested back in 1998. Wow. <laughs> Joe was like, you should use, I don't even know when the Judy Collins one was recorded. Right. But years hence, that's yeah, the one I always assumed was the Joni Mitchell one, which yeah. I found out very recently was not. Anyway. And Joe so went on to change his name to Ari Aster <laughs> and to make the film. It's funny it. that you say, because you're like, both say that, oh my gosh, that's the one Joe said should end my fake movie yeah. when I was a, a wish I was going to be a screenwriter when I was 17 years old. Amazing. In Edwardsville, Illinois in uh, 1998. June, I think, of 1998. I love it. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it didn't function the exact same way, but I, the minute you said, I'm like, oh, I got to tell that story. Oh, it's a versatile song, though. Yeah. I have one more thing I want to say about it, just to another kind of plug shout out, is um, I love um, the videos that David Ehrlich at IndieWire puts out. Um, each like January he'll do a top 25 of the year but he cuts them together in you know these really fun and interesting ways as he counts down his his 25 favorite movies he'll take songs that were prevalent or just notable in movies throughout the year but he'll only pair them with other movies as he goes through his countdown so he uses both sides now in his 2018 countdown and puts it over clips from three of my other favorite movies from that year so it's just an especially magical moment for me but yeah. he, he plays it over um burning over um the tale starring laura dern and shoplifters so just shout out to those videos and that he does things like that every year i'm um, actually just watched 2023's um yesterday and it's 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 just as good but wanted to shout that out and those videos he does because that it's just another i think um representation of how amazingly the connection between music and movies can be so. yeah for sure thank you 
Yeah, if you have favorites and you want to tweet them at us or text them to us, if you know us, uh, the f you know, if a few of you know us, um, <laughs> do that, please. And we're, we will be, hopefully, in, fe in February or March, and it may be March, um, doing our top uh, movies of 2023, um, just like David Ehrlich did for yeah. IndieWire. <laughs> um, so look out for that and um, appreciate you taking a, a half an hour or so to listen to us chat about movies. We love movies, man. I hope you love movies, too. Go see some good movies. Um, and uh, tell everyone about it. Thanks. Thanks.